Good day and a happy Wednesday to you. I'm just going to get straight on with it today. I'm enjoying this book tremendously. I'd forgotten how well written it is. So, <clears throat> chapter five, Detective Mildew. The following morning, Mildew awoke with an uncharacteristic glint in his eye. You have an uncharacteristic glint in your eye, said Sponge. Are you quite well? Worry not, Sponge, said Mildew. I am filled with an indescribable hunger for adventure. Oh dear, said Sponge. Perhaps it's something you ate. Mildew picked up the well-thumbed book by his bedside and tapped Sponge's arm. I'm tired of being ignored, Sponge, said Mildew. Tired of what? murmured Sponge, distracted by a bird flying past the window. Of being ignored, said Mildew, scowling. We must take matters into our own hands. But how? We shall be detectives, Sponge, exclaimed Mildew, pointing to the illustrated cover of his book. Like the great Finlay feathering, we shall untangle the riddle of the ghostly Viking and solve the mystery of the school spoon. Finlay Feathering was the hero of a series of detective stories by Henry H. Henry, and Mildew was a devoted reader. The peculiar goings-on at Gravely Grange was a particular favourite, and Mildew had read it several times. In fact, Finlay Feathering solves a similarly despicable theft, that of Sir Rupert Gravely's ruby toe-ring. But we don't know how, said Sponge. We have no experience of detectivating. Everything we need to know is in here said Mildew, tapping the book. All we have to do is ask ourselves, what would Finley Feathering do? And what will we reply? asked Sponge eagerly. Well, it depends on the circumstances, said Mildew. Gosh, said Sponge admiringly. You are clever, Mildew. True, said Mildew, but it's very clever of you to see it, Sponge. So many don't. You hide it so well, Mildew. Mildew frowned. Let's start with the school spoon. We shall be heroes if we solve that, Sponge. Imagine. Sponge tried, but could not. The first thing Finley Feathering always does is he decides who the suspects are. And who are the suspects? said Sponge. In this case, I mean. Mildew put his hand on his hip and stared off into the middle distance, detectively. Well, everyone, I suppose, said Mildew, even ourselves. If we are to be thorough, we were in the trophy room after all. But I didn't do it, said Sponge defensively. I'm afraid we can't just take your word for it, Sponge, said Mildew. After all, that is precisely what the actual culprit would say. We have to go where the evidence takes us. And where does the evidence take us? Nowhere at the moment, said Mildew. We don't really have any. Evidence, that is, apart from the absence of the school spoon. And the ghosts, said Sponge. The ghosts may be red herrings, said Mildew. Ghostly red herrings? Precisely. But might the ghosts be involved in some way? I don't think ghosts burgle, Sponge, said Mildew. They're more ones for scaring the bejeebas out of folk, and that sort of caper. I don't think they are much interested in spoons of whatever value. It seems an odd coincidence, though, doesn't it? said Sponge. That the school spoon should go missing and two ghosts appear. If indeed they were ghosts, said Mildew. Or herrings, said Sponge. Not herrings, said Mildew, red herrings. Aren't red herrings herrings? Not necessarily, said Mildew. And they could be a pair of slippers, or a vicar. A vicar? Yes, or a hairbrush. A red herring can be anything. Whereas a herring is restricted to being a fish. And not just any fish, Sponge, only a herring. 
Does that help? Not really. Sponge's brain had begun to ache terribly. A red herring is a phrase we detectives use to mean something that distracts us from solving the crime. Something that seems relevant at first, but turns out not to be. Like algebra. Sponge shook his head. It's frightfully difficult, isn't it, this detectivating business? Detecting? Mildew corrected him with a look of great seriousness on his face. That's why it requires the keenest of minds, Sponge. We must look at each suspect in turn and eliminate them from our inquiries. But there were so many, said Sponge. Where will we start? Mildew stroked his chin, as he noticed Finley Feathering did at times like this, and stared off meaningfully into the distance once again. We must begin with the masters, said Mildew. There are fewer of them, so it will be quicker to eliminate them. And which of the masters shall we start with? Why, with the headmaster, of course. Sponge gasped in shock. You surely can't think that the headmaster could be guilty of stealing the school spoon? Everyone is under suspicion, said Mildew, leaning towards Sponge and peering at him. Everyone, Sponge whimpered. Mildew stood up. We shall begin this very day, he said. Come, Sponge, to the headmaster's office. Chapter 6 Charcoal Grey Mildew and Sponge walked round the cloistered quadrangle of Maudlin Towers as rain began to fall from a charcoal grey sky. What will we be looking for? said Sponge. We are looking for any strange behaviour, said Mildew. Sponge raised a quizzical eyebrow. Mildew took his meaning. Stranger than normal, Mildew emphasised. The culprit always gives himself away to Finley Feathering eventually. All we need to do is observe. They both peered observantly at the door to the headmaster's office, edging closer. Can I help you, boys? They both turned round with a small shriek of alarm to find the headmaster looming over them, an indulgent smile on his face, his hands clasped together. What brings you two boys inside on such a glorious day? Mildew and Sponge looked towards a nearby window, where hail hammered into the glass like shotgun pellets. Wee, 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 burbled Sponge. Yes, said the headmaster, leaning closer. We're writing a piece for the school newspaper, sir, interrupted Mildew. The uppermost points of the headmaster's smile began to quiver. Not about the theft of the school spoon, I hope. No, no, sir, reassured Mildew. We're doing a piece about the life of the school. The life of the school, eh? said the headmaster, his smile returning to its full width. That sounds marvellous. And you have time to do that and rehearse for the play? The play, said Mildew. The headmaster winked and tapped his nose. Of course, he said with a chuckle. Not a word. Mildew and Sponge exchanged a puzzled glance. I must say it's gratifying, continued the headmaster, to find you boys taking an active interest in the school for a change. What will the piece consist of exactly? Well, sir, said Mildew, wondering what such a thing might entail. I, uh, that is, we, thought that it might uh, possibly be a good idea simply to spy on, uh, to observe the goings-on of the masters. I mean the school. In its detail. The headmaster nodded approvingly. Splendid! I can hardly wait to read it. You won't forget to mention Mrs. Leacham, will you? She gets frightfully upset if she thinks her nursing endeavours are being overlooked or undervalued. 
Rest assured, sir, said Mildew, the school nurse is one of our prime suspects. I mean subjects. Excellent, said the headmaster. Then I suppose I'd better let you carry on with your observing. Thank you, sir, said Sponge. Whom exactly are you observing at this present moment in time? Well, sir, said Mildew, actually it's you, sir. Me? said the headmaster with a broad grin. Well, how wonderful! What do you want me to do? I suppose you really ought to go about your business, said Mildew, as if we weren't here. I see, said the headmaster. How intriguing! The headmaster stood self-consciously for a moment before nodding and wandering away. The boys paused for a few seconds before heading after him. At a safe distance, the boys observed the headmaster as he strolled about the school and grounds, amiably chatting to all he encountered and handing out words of encouragement to staff and students alike. The hideous weather did not in any way dampen his spirits, although it did dampen Mildew's notebook and make it increasingly difficult to write on. And so the boys were very happy when the headmaster returned to the confines of the school. They followed him as he walked around the ancient cloisters, his hands behind his back. Headmaster, sir, said the school secretary, scurrying up beside him. Bad news, I'm afraid. The caretaker says the boiler will need replacing. It will be very expensive, he says. Oh dear, said the headmaster. It can't be helped, I suppose. And the beams in the dining hall are infested with worms, sir. Are they? said the headmaster with a wry smile. <laughs> Little devils. Anything else? There appears to be a small fire in the east wing, headmaster. Would you be so good as to send someone to put it out when they have a moment? Yes, headmaster. Excellent. None of this seemed in any way to erode the headmaster's mood. He bowed to two passing fresh-faced boys from the lower school, but then came to a sudden halt. I say, he called to the boys amiably, if you could be so good as to come back here for just a moment. The boys turned ashen-faced and edged back towards the headmaster, whose black-gowned figure drifted towards them like spilled ink. I hate to impose on you, but might I make a small inquiry? He asked, smiling down at the boys. Sir? Said the larger of the two small students. I was wondering, he said, pointing a long finger at the other boys' socks, whether my eyes were deceiving me in this poor light. Are those socks you are wearing black by any chance? Yes, sir, said the boy, but I... "'Splendid!' said the headmaster, his teeth now glinting horribly. "'Then my eyes are not as impaired as I had feared. "'That certainly is a relief, is it not?' "'Yes, sir,' said the boy, backing away a little. "'But one gets to my age and one fears the loss of one's faculties, "'so it's heartening to know that my eyesight at least is still functioning.' "'Yes, sir.' said the boy, but all would be absolutely perfect indeed were it not for the fact that the school regulations of Magdalen Towers specifically demand that the socks of the boys of the lower school must be of no colour other than charcoal grey. Yes, sir, but... And are those socks charcoal grey? said the headmaster, leaning ever nearer to the trembling boy, his smile now a trifle crocodilian. N -n 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 no sir, admitted the unfortunate child. Are you an anarchist, perhaps? No, sir. Might I see you tomorrow in a kilt or a toga? he said, addressing the two boys. No, sir, they both replied. 
then would you be so good as to pop along and explain yourselves to Reverend Brimstone? But, sir, said the larger of the boys, my socks are charcoal grey. The headmaster smiled horribly at the unfortunate lad until, with the other boy, he scampered away blubbering in the direction of Reverend Brimstone's office. Ah, boys, said the headmaster, noticing Mildew and Sponge peering round the corner. How are your observations going? Are you managing to capture the flavour of things? I think so, said Mildew. I think so, sir. Excellent, said the headmaster. And with a smile and a pat of both boys' heads, he went on his way, humming a few bars of bark. Perfectly normal, said Sponge. Agreed said Mildew, crossing the headmaster's name from his list. And that is the end of chapter six. Join me for chapter seven and eight tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening. Let me know if you're enjoying things. Keep yourself sane and safe and goodbye. <laughs>